Hello, and welcome to another episode of Best Picture Rewind, the special series here on Oscar Central, in which Lex and I are discussing previous Best Picture winners during the Oscars offseason. And today we are here to talk about a winner that is a is a really solid movie, but also I think is best remembered because of the drama that occurred at the Oscars that year. And that is Moonlight. So how are you doing, Lex? I'm great. Um, I'm really thrilled to finally be able to share with the world where I was um, on the day of the 2017 Oscars. <laughs> Truly one of those pivotal moments for our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that later. But for anyone who doesn't know, um, Moonlight was a 2016 A24 coming of age drama. It's very A24. Uh, it's written and directed by Barry Jenkins, but based on Terrell Alvin McCraney's unpublished semi-autobiographical play in Moonlight Black Boys Look Blue. Uh, it stars Trevante Rhodes, Andre Holland, Janelle Monet, Ashton Sanders, um, Drell Jerome, Naomi Harris, M. Herschel Ali. And it's split into sort of three sections with the three stages of life of the main character when he's a child, a teenager, and then an adult. And it explores his issues with sexuality and identity, as well as, you know, his mother's addiction to drugs and his sort of pseudo father-son relationship that he develops with a drug dealer. Uh, It was filmed in Miami, Florida and premiered at the Telluride Film Festival in September of 2016 and then was released the following month. Uh, it grossed $65 million, uh, which is pretty impressive for, you know, a coming-of-age film. And got overwhelmingly positive reviews. It's, I think, still very high on, like, Rotten Tomatoes. And I did find out it is the first, like, mainstream, like, you know, major film uh, that is an LGBT plus film that has an all-Black cast. Um, so that is a fun fact about Moonlight. And I think that that's, like, part of what was so important about it whenever it came out was the fact that it is very rare obviously to have queer stories in cinema but even more rare to have black queer stories and that's something that I think you know we've gotten more since Moonlight occurred um or was maybe occurred I said that like it just like came out of nothing um like it hatched from an egg uh but but i do think like maybe that is part of the lasting legacy of moonlight is the increase in telling queer stories of color um but lex did you see this in 2016 when it came out or did you watch it later i watched it later um i'm gonna be honest i had not heard of it until it won the oscar um i don't remember it having like a huge marketing um Mm-mm. kind of campaign i don't remember seeing even like a trailer for it granted i couldn't really tell you outside of like star wars movies what trailers i really remember seeing back then um but of course like when it which is interesting like when i look at the um when i look at the nominees for best picture that year it's amazing to me that like i saw hacksaw ridge before i saw moonlight <laughs> Um, especially (laughs) that's really weird well especially because i don't like horror films um and i couldn't i the thing is i can't tell you i have no recollection of when i saw hacksaw ridge i know i have (laughs) um but i saw manchester by the sea in theaters i saw la la land in theaters 
Hidden Figures in theaters, um, Fences, Lion. So really the only two I hadn't seen, I saw Arrival, the only two Best Picture nominations I hadn't seen by the time of the Oscars was Moonlight and Hell or High Water. Um, and now I've I've still never seen Hell or High Water. I probably never will. Um, but yeah, it was one of those that, you know, it winning best picture, I would have been intrigued, but I think especially given the snafu, the infamous snafu, um, I think that actually probably was unintentionally the best marketing that could have happened for this film. Um, because it's not only that it like won best picture, because that's obviously going to give you a bump, but the fact that it was wrongfully announced first, because now everyone's going to be like oh well if it wasn't la la land then what is it so yeah i remember renting it on amazon shortly after the oscars and that would have been the first time that i'd seen it yeah this is one of those years that and it's definitely because like we were in college this was our senior year right yeah i graduated okay well you came back and walked at graduation um when this movie well, no, came it plays out, it plays a part well yes okay true, part true. of how but i no, graduated when this movie came out though you were still at elon yeah no that's true i was still in college and i know that because we were in a class together at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um and it was my senior year i was trying to finish my thesis i can genuinely say i think the only film from 2016 that i saw in a theater was rogue one um I, I like don't quote me on that but it's the only one I remember seeing in a theater uh I also had family health issues going on in the fall of 2016 so I was spending most of my free time at a hospital um so I very much did not see this it was not on my radar at all and this is one of the years still where I'm like I've seen God, I don't even want to like admit this on the internet, but I've seen three of the Best Picture nominees from this year. Um, I've seen now Moonlight. I watched it for this podcast. I saw La La Land when Elon, that's our college, um, like showed it in the comm school theater in the spring. And then I've seen Hidden Figures. Um, It is surprising that I've never seen Fences, I feel like. And Hacksaw Ridge is also one that I, like, keep meaning to get around to, but it's a weird thing of, like, my love for Andrew Garfield at war with my hatred of Mel Gibson. Um, Listen, I don't like Mel Gibson. I don't like war movies. (laughs) Joseph Quinn could star in a war movie, and would I go see it? Yes. But would I be enthusiastic (laughs) about it? No. Like, I would cry. (laughs) I would be like, God, the things I do. I would listen to the things you do for love <laughs> by the 10cc and cry. I'm dead. Um, but yeah, so this this is a very weird year for me. But I did finally watch Moonlight. It's been on my to-watch list forever. And I needed something to, like, actually kick me into watching it. Which is what this podcast is all about. Is, like, actually forcing us to watch Best Picture winners from the past and catch up on them. Um, so it was my first time viewing it, which was interesting. Um, and definitely one of those things where I was kind of like, yeah, I do think that like when this movie came out, it was even more sort of, um, how do I put this? Uh, like revolutionary feels a little like <laughs> overdramatic about it, but 
um, in it terms was different. of the fact. Yeah, it, it really was something new in, in terms of being both It a, was innovative. There we go. In terms of being both a queer story and a, you know, film about people of color, like, that's not something that you were getting a lot of, even in the mid-2010s. And I feel like that's something we've seen increasingly now. Um, more sort of things in that vein. It's also... You know, it is one of those films that it's not, like, it doesn't try to be, like, coy about the sexuality in it. Um, Because I think that there sort of is that shift in the 2010s that you start to see more and more films being willing to, like, actually commit to it and not do the whole, like, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, he's gay type thing. (laughs) Um, So that was great. I, yeah, I mean, what are your like thoughts on moonlight as a film before we sort of talk about it as a um you know as a best picture winner um it's kind of it's kind of hard for me to like really say how i feel about moonlight because i'm not sure i entirely (laughs) know how i feel about moonlight like I respect it for what it is. Like, yeah. I think it's very artistic. Um, I think it pulls that kind of... When I read that it was... Um, I didn't know this the first time I saw it, but I rewatched it for this, obviously. And then I read a little bit on the Wikipedia page, and I didn't know initially that it was based off a play, but I could totally mm-hmm. see that. It feels right? very... And I, I find it interesting. I know that this was a not published play but i think it's really interesting that you have this and fences which yeah into this later fences was my personal pick for best Mm. picture if you really want me and i'm probably will um i probably will on this very podcast if you ever want me on a soapbox ask me about how viola davis should have won best actress that Mm. year and not supporting actress um yeah i find it interesting that we have like these two stories that um are based off plays kind of being in the forefront of the Oscars that year. And you have Viola Davis winning Supporting Actress. Um, and then you have um, Marshala Ali winning for Supporting Actress. So it, it's just interesting how those kind of mirrored each other. And I didn't yeah. realize that, but it does feel very, the way it's broken up into kind of three parts, almost like three acts. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't, I like that it's kind of broken into three sections, but it doesn't run for too long. I yes. really appreciate that. I think it's a yes. very it's a very tightly written um, mm-hmm. screenplay, which again probably comes from the fact that it was based off a play. Um, right. I think the screenplay is I think the screenplay is beautiful. Um, yeah. I love the way that it it I think the way it's directed is gorgeous. I think the performances are great. I think there is a level of like, even as and I've I've thought about this. Um, I started thinking about this actually when we saw a strange loop on Broadway mm-hmm. last year of like it is interesting how to me how every everyone has different experiences and we can all share within the same experience in some way but it's still different so yeah. like as someone who identifies as LGBT like I can have my own experiences as an LGBT person but I don't I still don't know what that's that's not the same level as like identifying with someone who's a person of color and LGBT. And so it's just interesting to I think it's 
interesting and welcome that I feel like here within the last like six or seven years, we've kind of opened up the floor for more dialogue around that of like, how yeah. is this particular experience different for, you know, someone in my position who is by my own admission, like a bit more privileged in the sense that I'm still a white woman, right? Like then it's, yeah, you know, I, I just think that's interesting. Um, And I think it's an interesting discussion of that. And I do think there is elements of like, I just don't, and I'm a big, big, big like proponer of you don't have to relate to a story to understand it. Um, yeah. So please don't think that that's what I'm saying when I say this, but there are some things that like, I just don't necessarily relate to, but I don't think I'm supposed to. Um, like there yeah. are some moments in this movie that I'm like, I am not the person that this movie is meant for. And that is okay. Um, and so I think it's, I yeah. think it's, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. And I found it like, I, one of my favorite movies genuinely um, is If Beale Street Could Talk. And, you know, which is another Barry Jenkins film that he made after Moonlight. And I definitely connect a lot more with If Beale Street Could Talk. Not in, not in like a, oh, I relate to it kind of way, but just like, you know, there are certain things that you can emotionally connect with. And then sometimes you don't. I know that as a person, and I've done this since I was a young child, I often struggle to connect to male main characters. Um, and so I wonder if like that's part of it, is that if Beale Street Could Talk has a female lead character, um, and Moonlight does not. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I like didn't really connect to it on the level that I did if Beale Street Could Talk. But like you said, I think it's like a really beautifully made film. And I think that screenplay is phenomenal. I think for me, part of the disconnect too was that it feels like there's a lot of disconnect between the three parts and I I get that that's sort of intentional because we are supposed to be getting sort of a snapshot but you just were making me think that I feel like if this was done as a play you would have a, a young like a child actor in part one and you'd have the same actor doing parts two and three um I would I would bet you know especially if it was being done in sort of a, a smaller um, like off-Broadway theater type situation and I think that would have helped me a little bit because I think that like I in particular felt a disconnect between the first two parts and the third um, and I think it it may have had something to do with the fact that that switch in actors felt really extreme to me um, like I, I don't and I don't want to say it's bad casting because I think like the actors were doing like they both did great jobs but it did sort of feel like it felt more natural going from part one to part two with that change in actors and not as natural going from part two to part three um but all that said I think the way that the film plays with concepts of black masculinity are really interesting particularly like everything around the fact that Mahershala Ali's character um one is set up as like you know he's this drug dealer which gives you certain ideas but then he becomes the father figure of the film but then even as he's the one who is nurturing and providing that positive like influence for you know the the lead character he's also the one who sold his mother the drugs in the first place that got him into the position that he's in where he needs a positive influence so it's like I think that that whole cycle is really interesting and I will say like I found all of that so interesting that I wish that we had a little bit more time with it um like I can see why 
you know, and especially knowing that it's based on like a semi-autobiographical play, I'm wondering if if some of the choices made in it are because of things that happened in that playwright's life. But I almost sort of wish that we got the character of one through like parts one and, and two so that we could get to see a little bit more of that dynamic playing out. Um, I think Naomi Harris is fantastic in this. Obviously, it is one of those roles that has like a real sort of physical aspect to it in terms of watching her sort of decline from part one to part two and then sort of, you know, come back into um, into being more well as she sort of is getting over her addiction in part three. And I thought that was really phenomenal. I love Mahershala Ali in this movie. I think he's such a great actor and I am kind of like y'all I I'm not saying I don't think he deserves to have two Oscars but if we just given him one for this do we need to give him one for Green Book um because I think Green Book just shouldn't have gotten any Oscars <laughs> Mahershala Ali's Oscar for it is the one that is like least annoying to me but still um but yeah I think you know like you said it it's a really beautifully made film I think the cinematography in it is really gorgeous I think the direction of it is really great and Barry Jenkins is one of those directors that like you just know that whatever he's making it's going to be really beautiful no matter what it is that you're sort of seeing like I think that he has an ability to take things that on the surface you would not expect to be able to be beautiful um and make them thus and yeah I, I mean I think it's it's a really interesting exploration of sort of someone coming to terms with their sexuality um and how that is influenced sort of by um the culture of black masculinity and i know that you know obviously there's a lot of cultures in which it's very difficult to be queer um because of the pressures put onto black men in terms of what their masculinity looks like i know that being queer is you know people have often talked about even more difficult because of sort of having to deal with those things whereas I think concepts of white masculinity have have moved a little bit further um not to say that like you know they don't face their own issues but I think in terms of like the the gender identity it, it ends up being less at odds um and there's sort of unique pressures on black men um, and I think that this film does a really good job of showing that. And I think it does a really good job of sort of embracing stereotypes to break them. Um, and sort of by, you know, by doing that, being able to transcend them, which I think is really impressive. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I feel like since this is one that is sort of more recent, we can go ahead and move into our discussion of the Oscar season. Uh, these Oscars happened in February 2017. Interestingly, they were hosted by Jimmy Kimmel and it was his first time hosting. Um, and would you believe that wasn't the first time a controversy would happen with him? Yeah, right. Uh, so Moonlight had eight nominations, um, as did Arrival. Hacksaw Ridge and Lion and Manchester by the Sea all had six. And then La La Land had 14. It is, it was at the time, you know, tied for the record with Titanic and All About Eve. Uh, and Moonlight was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor for Mahershala Ali, Best Supporting Actress for Naomi Harris, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, and Best Original Score. And that score by Nicholas Bertel is absolutely beautiful. Um, 
So then La La Land wins six awards. Moonlight wins three. Hacksaw Ridge and Manchester by the Sea both win two. And then obviously there's a lot of other films that win one award. Uh, Moonlight wins Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Adapted Screenplay, which is a pretty, um, you know, it's it's on the lower end for an Oscar a best picture winner but it's a pretty normal i think like combination of of things to win to get you to best picture um and a few other fun facts though is that mahershala ali was the first muslim man to win an acting oscar which i thought is pretty interesting um joy mcmillan uh, who is the editor of moonlight was the first black woman to be nominated for best editing at the oscars um Dee Dee Gardner became the first woman to win twice for producing. She previously won for 12 Years a Slave, uh, which we recently discussed. And uh, two other things not related to Moonlight, but I thought were interesting, is that Damien Chazelle actually became the youngest person to win Best Director when he won for La La Land. Um, He was like 32 years old in like a month. Um, And there's another director, I think, back in like the 50s who had been like 32 and a half or something um but he was the youngest uh and kevin o'connell won best sound mixing for hacksaw ridge and it ended the longest losing streak in oscar history he had had 20 unsuccessful nominations um good for you kevin then, you did it yeah finally did it they said let's put this man out of his misery why um, they didn't say let's put this man out of his misery at like number 10 i don't know but good for you kevin you would think i'm um, listen mr bradley cooper is headed to break that streak. <laughs> i'm sorry that's mean um but it might be true but in any case the main thing that i think is remembered about this oscars though is the best picture mix up in which um you know they read out La La Land, or Faye Dunaway read out La La Land. Um, Faye Dunaway can't read. Faye Dunaway can't. Faye Dunaway, much like Leah Michelle, can't read. Um, I guess that's why they can never let Leah Michelle present at the Oscars. Um, and then they had to get up there and be like, "JK, it's Moonlight," um, which was no, fascinating. That's not what they said. Well, okay, they said, yeah. I have this memorized. <laughs> they said, "No, no, Moonlight won. Moonlight won. This is not a joke. Moonlight, you guys won." I can't. So one of the most important questions you can ask anyone of our generation is where were you when the Moonlight La La Land best picture mix up occurred? So Lex, uh, I'd like to hear your story first and then I will share mine. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> no, it stuck with me. Um, there were two really bright, three really big moments in 2017 for me. One of them was when I saw a great comment. One of them was when I attended the Tony Awards. And the third was when I watched the 2017 Oscars. <clears throat> also, if you're listening, um, my allergies are killing my voice, and I'm sorry. Um, but I was living in New York City at the time, and I lived in this boarding house from the 20s. Um, and I didn't have a TV in my room. I literally, my room was a little closet with a cot and a sink, and that was it. And so they had this common room, and you had to, like, give your room key to the security guard and they would give you this remote. Okay. I'm telling all these unnecessary details for drama. No, I think it's important to set the scene. (laughs) No, it really is. And so I don't know what I had done that day, but I was very tired and I kind of didn't really 
care that year about the Oscars. I just was tired. And I had to like be at work the next morning. And I'm like, I'm going to have to sit in this common room and watch the Oscars. And so I was with my friend Veda, who lived in the boarding house with me and worked with me at the Broadway League. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, just watch them with me. It's going to be great. And so we give our freaking room keys. So my room keys held hostage. Like, I can't I can't go home until these Oscars are over because people came to join us. And so I'm like, I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed. Well, Veda was like, no, just stay up until best picture and then you can leave. I'm like, okay, great. So I am falling asleep. And they finally announced best picture. And they're like, it's La La Land. And I was like, Fantastic. Hope everyone enjoyed the Oscars tonight. I'm going to bed. So we turn the TV off and I um, get my room key back and I go upstairs back to my room. I get to my room and I see a text from my dad that just says, holy shit. And I'm thinking someone just died in my family. (laughs) And so I'm like, what, 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 what? And he's like, you didn't see that? And I'm like, no. And I go on Twitter and Twitter is lit up. Twitter is lit up about how there was this snafu. And I didn't even see the full clip until the next day. Um, But I remember seeing CNN had tweeted, best picture winners, La La Land. And then CNN quote tweeted their tweet and was like, actually, just kidding. It was Moonlight. And so I was so confused of how that even happened um, and was so mad at myself for missing that live. But... I will say, fun fact, um, I was working at the Broadway League that time, and there were legitimate meetings um, held over how we were going to make sure that didn't happen at the Tonys. Um, and the way they decided to do it was make sure there was only one set of envelopes. So That's, I can't. I love that story. Um, I had not quite a thing as a dramatic thing, but I had sort of the opposite experience in a way. In that I had gone over to my friend Mary Claire's because we had a media law test on like the following day and we were studying and we've been studying for hours and so we like put the Oscars on her boyfriend and her roommates were there we were like okay well like I'll watch them and like halfway through the Oscars because again I like had not seen most of these movies other than Rogue One at the time um and I fell asleep on the floor of her apartment like dead ass just like fell asleep in front of the tv um and they woke me up for best picture because they were like oh Nicole like get up get up like we don't want you miss best picture happening whatever and then that occurred and I distinctly remember being like am I still asleep am I dreaming like this doesn't feel real and I just know that must have been disorienting for everyone watching it but having just woken up from like and you know whenever you nap but it's only for like 30 minutes so it's just sort of more like disorienting than anything that is how I experienced the great Oscar snafu um and I don't think I've ever been more confused in my entire life than I was in that moment um but it was memorable I tell you that um and at that time you know what? I think I had seen La La Land by that point but I definitely had not seen Moonlight so I was kind of like what one but I am not a La La Land fan so I was I've been kind of like oh all right whenever it won like you know I wasn't like excited about it or anything so the one where they were like just kidding it didn't win I was like oh okay um 
And I distinctly remember though us like Googling like to see what Moonlight was when it won. Um, because nobody that I was with, including several communications majors, um, had seen it at the time. And yeah, it, it definitely feels like it was one of those um years where the thing that won Best Picture was not necessarily like the thing that the public had widely embraced. Um, obviously, like Moonlight did well at the box office, but I think definitely like La La Land was a lot more popular, obviously, that year. Um, and obviously, like the thing that's most popular often does not win. But, you know, compared to something like Everything Everywhere All at Once winning, where like a surprising number of people already knew all about that movie by the time the Oscars rolled around. Um, I, I definitely don't think it had that going. Um, but yeah, so to to delve into it I mean what are your thoughts sort of on the La La Land versus Moonlight thing like do you have like a, a real I know there's so many people who are sort of in that camp of like La La Land should have won best picture there's a lot of people who feel very strongly that like no Moonlight was the rightful winner I like Moonlight a lot more than I like La La Land but I also haven't seen La La Land since 2016 um or I guess it was 2017 by the time I watched it. Um, so I, I don't know that I like get to have a opinion as much because it's like, okay, well, film that you really dislike or Moonlight. Um, it's a very obvious pick for me, but I'm curious what your thought is. I, I mean, my personal pick is Fences. Like if I had to pick any movie to win, it would have been Fences and I think the only reason that we say La La Land versus Moonlight is because, like, it was originally announced as La La Land. And it really had nothing to do with the film at all. It was the fact that Faye Dunaway just saw La La Land. And I guess it's, she assumed that Emma Stone made the movie herself, um, which if Emma Stone had made the movie herself, I'd been like, you know what, Emma, that was a pretty good effort, actually. Um, but I... I mean, I don't know. I go back and forth of, like, I don't think La La Land is a perfect film. Like, I definitely have qualms with it. Um, I think the screenplay is weak. I don't think Emma Stone or Ryan Gosling are giving a particularly thrilling performance. Again, get me on a soapbox and I'll talk about how Viola Davis should have been best actress and not supporting actress. Um... But I also don't necessarily know if I would have taken issue with it winning Best Picture because there, it, I don't know, it feels like a very Academy kind of film, right? Like it's, I know we joke about this phrase, but it is a love letter to cinema. It, yeah, it is a very LA film. It romanticizes Hollywood. It romanticizes LA. Yep. It's. I will say it does a beautiful job of paying tribute to old classic musical films and the way that it's styled. Like I do, I am obsessed as much as like that movie is hit or miss with me. I am obsessed with the final scene. Um, I only wish that they had paid tribute to uh, old Hollywood in dubbing the singing voices of the Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would have been fitting. Um but like you know i do i take issue with the fact that i'm not supposed to root for john legend when one he has the best song in the movie and two like he's trying to help brian gosling out like i don't okay that is my big problem too is that he's actually my favorite character in the movie and i like 
agree with him. And listen, I get the whole, like, you know, don't sell out and whatever. But also, like, he is trying to be nice. Yeah, he's not, like, Mr. Evil, like, greedy corporate man. Yeah. Um, Also, it's John Legend. Like. Yeah. And, again, he has the best song in the movie. Um, That song has stayed in my top played songs on Spotify since 2017. Um, Yeah. God, I love that song. But. You know, it's like I wouldn't it's like I wouldn't necessarily take an issue with La La Land winning if it had truly won. Um, because it's like I would have it been one of those where like it wasn't my pick, but I understood it. Um Moonlight, I think it's it's the same thing though, of like it's not it's not as high up for me as some other best picture winners, but like I'm not mad about it. Like if anything, I re- I commend the fact you know, I think the Academy can be very self-congratulatory, as we've spoken about multiple times on this podcast. And I do think that this was a moment where, like, this was a earned Best Picture winner that wasn't the Academy trying to be self-congratulatory. And so for that, I I respect it. Um, so I, I'm really not sure if I could pick one or the other. Because I, I kind of take the same view of, like, I do think that Moonlight has a stronger screenplay by far, um, but it won't adapt its screenplay. I think it's giving better performances than La La Land. But in terms of, like, it being a Best Picture winner, I kind of am on par with either. Yeah. I obviously, like I said, I don't like La La Land. Um, And part of that is that I just, I don't like Pasek and Paul's work. So, like, and obviously if you have a musical, not liking the music in it can take it pretty bad. Um... I don't hate it the way that I hate, like, The Greatest Showman. Um, But I hate how much of a theater hipster I sound like when I say this. But, like, the last time I really, truly enjoyed Pascal Paul's work was Dogfight. Um, I don't even like Dogfight. I like specific songs in Dogfight. I will say, Um, I actually think that if we're talking Pascal Paul scores, this one's actually probably my favorite. Okay. And his son is fun um someone yeah. out is fun my favorite song is the john legend song and that's the one song they didn't write right um, like that's john my legend thing like it, yeah that's the only one that i like and i will say i also have heard like other people cover some of the songs from this and i was like okay yeah they're not that bad i, I think, think city that of they... stars is that good though is and that's the thing i don't get is like city of stars was the winner for best song and there are better songs in the movie. Like, if, in La La if, the solos, yeah. if the audition song had won, I would have been okay with it. Um, yeah. Or even Another Day of Sun. Like, Another Day of Sun, it's fun. I think it proves that Pascal and Paul are at their best when they're not actually trying to say anything. They're just trying to vibe. Their other yeah. really great song is the song they wrote for the Trolls movie, which I listen to almost yeah. every day. And um, um, Sincerely Me from Dear <laughs> Right. Like, Sincerely <laughs> Me is the best song from Dear Evan Hansen. Like, it's... Yeah. They when they, they just yes, when they just bop, they're having a fun time. They're the better. second they try yeah. to get serious or make me root for somebody is the second they lose me. But yeah, and I think that's part of my issue with La La Land is that like other than John Legend, there is no one in there that I am rooting for. And it is a movie that for it to work, you need to like root for them. Like you need to want them to do well in a narrative like that. You know what I mean? Like. I also just, there's so much in it where I'm like, oh, wow, she's such a struggling actress going to all these callbacks. Like, 
you know, and when she like gets so upset that nobody shows up to her show and I'm like, well, yeah, because you're a nobody. Like, why did you think the theater was going to be packed? Um, It just, it is the epitome, like you said, of like Hollywood being like, wow, Hollywood. Cinema, um, baby. That's so Cinema. And baby. That it just all. Oh. Whereas I think like Moonlight is doing a lot more that sort of is you know has moved film forward like I was saying like I think that like a lot of the queer cinema that we've gotten since Moonlight is you know thanks to its success um I think it's it's doing more in terms of sort of telling black stories and and obviously like I think Barry Jenkins is an incredible filmmaker um and you know if if Moonlight winning is what helped lead to if Beale Street could talk and Underground Railroad and all the things that he's, you know, had his hand in and worked on, then I'm very grateful to it. Um, I am not a big Damien Chazelle girly. Uh, so it's not that surprising that I don't like La La Land either. It is, Again, I think. La La Land's my favorite Damien Chazelle project. It um, is my least favorite Damien Chazelle. You're going to say that it's worse than Whiplash? Actually, you're right. It's my second least favorite. I thank you. I I, I literally like, you don't look me dead no, in the eye. I try to erase Whiplash from my brain, um, because I hate that film so damn much. I hate. Whiplash. Um, yeah, but like I prefer First Man to La La Land, um, and Babylon actually, um, but yeah. So like, you know, I truly you could say anything one over La La Land, and I'd probably be like woohoo. But I do think that Moonlight has sort of more of a cultural impact as a winner in terms of, you know, what that meant in terms of proving that stories like this are worth funding, showing that an A24 film can win Best Picture, like all those sorts of things. Um, And I think La La Land is also one of those movies that like doesn't need a Best Picture win to have a legacy, even if the like snafu had not occurred. I think it would still have, you know, plenty of staying power on its own um in terms of moonlight if you look at the nominations that it got do you think that there's anything that it like should have had additionally do you think there's anything that it like shouldn't have been nominated for that it was um is there anything that you want to like move around so yeah, there's definitely something I'd move around. <laughs> okay. I would I'm sorry, I don't take any personal issues with Emma Stone. Um, in fact, Emma Stone's in quite a few movies that I really like. I don't think like I'm sorry, if we're gonna give Emma Stone an Oscar, she deserved one for Cruella more than she did yeah. La La Land. Like, sorry. She deserved um, one for Easy A more than she did La La Land. I could I mean she deserved one for now I'm suddenly blanking of like, name a woman. I've seen many Emma Stone movies and I can only think of <laughs> three in this moment. Um, yeah. My brain is fried. But it's just, I don't know. I remember watching Cruella and I, I do love that movie. Um, mm. And being like, see, that's a performance. Yep. That is a performance. Emma Stone's playing Emma Stone in La La Land. And that's not yep. played at her. That's just how the character's written. Except um, also like, Emma Stone in that role is significantly less charming than Emma Stone. 
That's also true. She's playing Stone <laughs> if she wasn't like, as like charming. I don't know where her chemistry went in that movie. It's and she had worked with. I mean, I think she. Oh, there we go. Now that it's coming back to me, she'd worked yeah. with Ryan Gosling in Gangster Squad and Crazy Stupid Love, and they had great chemistry. They yep. had no chemistry in this movie. I don't yep. know if it's because like they were stressed out about the dancing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I would have. Ref- I would have not given her the. Oh my god. Oh god. Okay. Looking at. Oh god. Okay. God. Yeah. Okay. Looking so obviously part of the no 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 I'm going somewhere I'm going somewhere okay looking at the best actors lineup that like totally visceral reaction I just had is over the fact that I just learned that I didn't know this Meryl Streep was nominated for Florence Foster Jenkins oh I thought you knew that I did not and I have this weird vendetta against Florence Foster Jenkins so what I would absolutely do is I'm not even going to take Emma Stone's nomination away. Yeah. I'm going to let her stay in the best actress category, but I'm going to give her just a nomination. I'm going to take mm-hmm. Meryl Streep for Florence Foster Jenkins out. Yep. And I'm going to put Viola Davis in and then I'm going to give her the win. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was category fraud. Like I'm gonna, It was absolutely mm-hmm. category fraud. And see, this is the thing. Yeah. And my dad and I talked about this when this happened because my dad, so my dad loves August Wilson um and fences is part of um the 10 cycle that august wilson right. wrote, where he's got like a play in every decade um including um the piano lesson which i saw on broadway in december that is soon to become a film with danielle deadweiler and samuel L. jackson and it is going to be amazing um and that my dear friends is what is going to get danielle deadweiler her oscar nomination that she deserved for till um here, here. My dad and I talked about it and Fences, you know, like is pretty much a two, per- it's a two person play. It's a two person movie. You've really only got Denzel Washington and Viola Davis in that movie. And so she's as integral as he is. And yet he's nominated for best actor, which side note, I would take Casey Affleck off this list. I throw him so far into the Manchester Sea that I was gonna say I threw him again. into the sea. Yeah. And I would give it to Denzel Washington. Um yep. and so my dad and I talked about that though, where like it is interesting and it is I think he brought up a good point of like, okay, this is really great that we awarded this movie that had an all black cast, but we're mm-hmm. still gonna give the lead actress to a white woman who wasn't as deserving as a black actress. We're gonna demote her down to featured actress. And so it's like, how much progress are we making? And ready? we're going to give, and, and listen, like, say what you will about Casey Affleck's performance, but like, at this what time, performance? Like, There's no performance the in that. The industry list. already knew that he was problematic at this point. Like, and so, yeah. and so, uh, exactly. So that's the thing is like, we're, that's, I know I just said that the Academy is not self congratulatory, but I take it back. Yes, they are. Because, yeah. like, that's the thing is we still rewarded someone who gave no performance i'm sorry there is no performance to be had i know that someone is going to tweet me with that freaking clip of when he pulls the gun from the cop no (laughs) i don't care i don't care like his performance is non-existent in that film and you got denzel washington who should have got who should have gotten it for fences and viola davis should have won i know viola davis did win for fences but she should have won best actress and you know what honestly if she had won best actress then 
Naomi Harris would have been a good win for Moonlight. That's what I'm saying is it should have been Naomi Harris. Um, I'm trying to, I don't think, but I don't want to misspeak. Um, She only, this is the only, she only has one. Yeah, she only has one win and it's for Fences, Viola Davis. And I don't understand how she's not one best actress at this point. I don't understand that. I truly, and I also will just say that of this lineup that is here for Best Actress, um, the most expensive is Meryl Streep for Florence Foster Jenkins. Well, yeah, but you know, they like to like give her a nomination because she like breathed. Um, I'm still genuinely surprised that they didn't nominate her for like fucking Little Women. Um, but but if not, than Florence Foster Jenkins. Fair enough. You know who's actually good in Florence Foster Jenkins and was not nominated? Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant yep. was good in Florence. I don't know. I, mm. the, the, Florence Foster Jenkins is only important because we discovered that Hugh Grant is a great character actor. Um, but well, I could watch Paddington it. 2 for that. Well, no, but Paddington 2 came out after Florence Foster Jenkins. That's oh, what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I'm fairly certain. Um, hold on. Now I have to check because I'm I was like, going to say, I thought Paddington 2 came out the same year. Am I making it's that up? It's 2017 and Florence Foster Jenkins. So, okay, a year apart. Yeah. Um, but it, it started his kick into like, what if I am a character actor and stop trying to be a leading man? Which is where he's- Listen, I loved him in Dungeons and Dragons. Same. I think like, I think that's truly his calling is to play those like quirky roles. Or, and um, like caricature villains. Yes. But so I would either give it to Natalie Portman for Jackie mm-hmm. or I really ro- love Ruth Nega in Loving. Um, a fun yeah. fact actually is that before Lex did like podcasting properly and was a film critic and everything, she guested on me and Maggie's podcast, Petticoats and Poppies, to talk about Loving and to talk about the um, legal decision that the case, that the film is about. Um, I'm a lawyer. Yeah. It was your first podcast appearance, right? Yes. Yeah, we love that. Anyways, I love that film and I also love Ruth and I think that she should have all the awards. Um, the point is there was some weird stuff happening this year. Um, I honestly, I kind of like, even though I don't love Chazelle's work, I do kind of like the like Moonlight winning Best Picture and Damien Chazelle winning Best Director um because i feel like it's a good way to like recognize both films when i think i think the directing is the best part of la la land right exactly and i think that's nice um i totally am on board with like i think moonlight winning best adapted screenplay is a good win i mean you could definitely make a argument for fences you sure can Um, but the thing about that i will say is it is the play like, exactly, and that's what I was not, gonna say. There's not like, a whole lot of adapting going on, like, and yeah. that's what I love about it. Yeah. Um, and I would love for more movies to do that, of like it just yeah. being a play, which like it's great for the film in terms of like it being good, but also like I am someone, and I know that a lot of the Academy when they're voting does not think like this, but whenever I look at adapted, I'm always looking at like specifically the work of adapting, right? Um, Whereas like August Wilson was the nominee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who would have accepted it if he'd won? I, maybe Denzel Washington, but yeah, I guess. Um, the okay, you want to know the biggest thing that I would change if I could about this Oscars year? Mm-hmm. 
I would snatch Zootopia's best animated feature win away from it, and I would give it to Moana. <laughs> I would um, do, I think. Yeah, because I think that Moana is one of the best things that Disney has done in the last, like, 30 years. And I hate Zootopia. <laughs> Zootopia uh, <laughs> is that I do think actually for a kids movie it does a really good job at having the conversation it wants to have. It's just yeah. not a great. It my beef with Moon or not Moonlight Zootopia <laughs> is yeah. I'm just gonna be like completely real. You know, like when someone you don't like really loves a movie and so you just yeah. associate it with that person. Like yep. that unfortunately happened to me with Zootopia. But I mm. remember when I saw it, um, my sister came to visit me at college and we went and saw it. And I do remember being like, you know, for a conversation about, like, implicit prejudice for a kid's yeah. movie, this actually is not doing too bad. Um, yeah. I, just, I didn't particularly care for it. But, yeah, no, I know I would have given it to um, – you know what? Oh, God, this reminds me. Or Kubo and the Two Strings. Is that what oh, you were going to say? I would have given it to Moana. Okay. You know, I was I just checking. Nominated. What? Rolls. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know what else? I'm gonna... The first Trolls is yeah. one of the best animated movies ever. Which is still an Oscar-nominated film, technically, because the song Because of the freaking song. And but... that's like, Justin Timberlake doesn't deserve to have the only no. nomination for that film. The Listen... Anime, the, like, film itself is brilliant. The second one was awful, but the yeah. film itself was brilliant. No, like, it's solid. I still would give it to Moana, but I would... No, I would still give it to Moana. It's just... I I would happily, like, find room in this category. Like, what is my life as a zucchini? I have no idea. I I will... Actually, no, it's... I don't know. That actually looks like something I'd be into now that I'm looking at it. Yeah, actually, we'll take out the red turtle. um, And we'll put trolls in. Um, But I would also take... I would snatch so fast the oscar from city of stars and give the best original song oscar to how far i'll go from moana give lynn his oscar um because i love that song i think it's a fantastic song and also i think the music in moana is fantastic and also i would rather lynn have an oscar than paskin paul (laughs) i also think it is worth noting i just realized that this is the year that a man called ove came out and was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. Um, it was a Swedish movie. And that is the movie that the A Man Called Otto that came out in like January of this year is based on. Oh, um, very nice. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's like... Oh, the Junk Book won Best Visual Effects. Ugh. I would I would give it to either Rogue One or Doctor Strange. Okay, Doctor Strange. I'm like, I have seen some movies from this year. I actually realized that I spoke wrong. I saw two movies in theaters this year and it was Moana and um and what's the other one Rogue, and one. Rogue one yeah um I saw the jungle book it was mother-daughter weekend of my sorority and my mom came to town and there was some hoity-toity event my mom was like do you want to go see the jungle book instead and I was like Wait, yeah all right and I so, also went to see the jungle book and so I went and saw the jungle book with my mom and here's the thing when I was a kid mm-hmm. I was t- terrified okay yep yep i do remember this yeah i was terrified of king louis because i didn't know why he wanted that fire and i didn't trust him i was like he's gonna burn the jungle down and so when it's christopher walken and Mm -hmm. it's this ginormous orangutan um my mom looks at me and she's like are you okay and i was like no this is scary (laughs) i don't know how they made it scarier but they did yeah 
And then they had uh, not Shere Khan. Shere Khan's the villain. Um, Mm -hmm. Shere Khan, I'm going to say it, is one of the best Disney villains. Um, They had Ka, the snake, be Mm. Scarlett Johansson, which is crazy if you think about in the animated film. It's um, nominated by... Oh, I'm so mad that I forget his name. Um, but he did the voice of Winnie the Pooh and the Cheshire Cat. And it, it's so scary. Jim Cummings? Is that no, him? Jim Cummings yeah. is alive. Yeah. He currently no. plays. Um, but something Cummings. Hang on. It's gonna bother me. Something Cummings, I think. Um my gosh, it's gonna it's gonna bother me. Hang on. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, my having a moment. I don't know what I've done to it. Okay, hold on, hold on. I'm looking. Oh my god, no, I don't want the page um, for the animated one. <laughs> I mean, I don't want the page for the live action one. I want the animated. It's um God Phil Her- Sterling Holloway. Oh, that's who it is. Okay. You're yeah, thinking of E.E. E. Cummings who wrote Winnie the Pooh. Maybe. <laughs> um, but no. Um, yeah, did the voice of Winnie the Pooh, but also did um the voice of Cheshire Cat and Ka, two of the scariest characters to ever exist in Disney canon. And they said, you know what, we're going to make it Christopher Walken instead. I will say, though, the animation and, like, the blending of live-action animation in The Jungle Book is impressive. Okay, so I have a very weird thing with The Jungle Book, and I remember it now. I went to see this because I did the winter term trip that Elon did um, to study, like, sociology of Disney parks. And when we were in California, we got to tour the studios in Burbank. And um, Alan Horn, like, hosted us to, like, have a chat with us. And he showed us, like, their, like, the Disney reel and stuff, which was kind of crazy. Um, But he talked to us a bunch about the Jungle Book because it was, like, his pet project that, like, he, even back when he was at Warner Brothers, he, like, always wanted to make a version of the Jungle Book that, like, blended the Disney animated movie and the um, Rudyard Kipling book a little bit more. And sort of returned it closer to its source material, which was also, like, the original intent of a lot of the Disney live-action remakes, which I think is, like, a really cool idea. And then they stopped doing that and were like, what if we just did shot-by-shot remakes, which is dumb. Um, (laughs) Anyways, off my soapbox. Um, But so the, like, whole group that I'd been on this winter term trip, um, we all went to the theater to see The Jungle Book whenever it came out in, in Alan's honor. Um, and, like, I don't really like The Jungle Book as, like, a a story. I never really cared for the animated version. I, it, like, it is scary. Um, it is so scary. It is the scariest movie I've seen. And, like, in a way that kids can understand. Not, like, Hunchback is, like, actually scarier when you watch it as an adult. Like, Um, it's a snake that's trying to eat a person. Yeah. It's, a, it's an orangutan that's trying to burn the village down. Like, it is scary. Right. Now, that yeah. said, Shere Khan, no sense. I don't know. It's yeah. The thing is, it's like, if your main villain is not the scariest part of the movie, then, like, what's going on there? What's going on? Yeah. But, I, you know, though, I will say, um, Tom Hiddleston, if you're listening, <laughs> The Bare Necessities is in my top five favorite Disney songs of all time. And I can do the bridge about picking a pawpaw or the prickly pear um perfectly and so tom hiddleston if you're listening i have seen the video of you singing bare necessities where you look way too into yourself to be singing the bare necessities um and if you're listening um please feel free to reach out and i square up 
because I will I will school you at that song. I will learn you a thing or two about the bare necessities and picking the paw paw with the prickly pear with the raw paw. Okay, thank you. Um, Tom Hiddleston, if you're listening, tell Zawi I say hello. Um, if you're listening, square up. It's it's always been my dream <laughs> in this life. I'm not even joking. Sometimes when I'm in the car, if I'm stuck in traffic, I'll practice because I'll think so like, you're what ready. if I find myself in a position where I have to square up and sing off the bare necessities, and I have to sing the part about no, if you pick a paw or paw paw or a prickly pear, and you prick a raw paw, well next time beware. Don't pick the pick prickly pear by the paw when you pick a pear. Try to use the claw, but you don't need to use the claw when you pick a pear or the big paw paw. Have I given you a clue? I have to know that part by heart so that I school Tom. Hiddleston and he goes away crying it's my dream I love this um so yeah some people please contact us um some people do fake scenarios of meeting their celebrity crush I do fake scenarios of schooling Tom Hiddleston with the bare and making him cry um (laughs) and I just want me saying it like you ever want to hear me sing it listen we we can't do any better than that. So we may as well wrap up. Uh, Lex, what is your letter grade for Moonlight? B plus. Okay. My letter grade for Lex's performance just then is A plus. Thank you so um, much. My letter grade for Moonlight is a minus. And do you think it is a great, fine, or bad best picture win? Is there somewhere between fine and great? <laughs> Like, I don't good. I'll say it's good. Okay, I'm gonna I don't really want to go so far to say great because like great would have been fences. Um, I mean, again, fair. please join me next week when I not only school Tom Hiddleston on bare necessities, but I also d- discuss at length why fences is brilliant and August Wilson is brilliant and fences should have won best picture. I love this. Um, I'm gonna say it's a great win because. You will probably notice a trend with me that I will say anything that's is great if I think it's like solid representation from a director that I like seeing get funding for movies. Um, so yeah, I think it's a great win, especially because I'm thrilled it wasn't La La Land. So <laughs> like it could have been better. It could have been Fences, but it could have been worse. It could have been Axel Ridge. Um, and that's not even me like taking a shot at that movie specifically. It's just that it's made by Mel Gibson. Um so yeah, I think, you know, this is one of those ones too that I'm I'm curious. Like obviously it's been what, like seven years? No. Six years since it won. Um, how do I do math? Unclear. Um, <laughs> and I'm curious how this one will age though, whenever we get more like 20, 30 years away from it. Yeah. Yeah. But this has been a good discussion, I think, and glad I somehow managed to work in my dream of schooling Tom Hiddleston. At I mean, it's, it's honestly impressive. <laughs> yep. yep. Again, Tom Hiddleston. If Tom Hiddleston, if you're listening, um, I'm shocked. But also, um, <laughs> square up, square up. I practice. All right, um, Nicole, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Nicole Ackman sixteen. And you can find me on um, Twitter and Instagram at at LexWilly, W-I-L-L-I underscore, and on TikTok at at MoonShoesLexi. 
Um, thank you for joining us on this episode of Best Picture Rewind. Join us next week where we talk about My Fair Lady, um, which means that we are just going to probably end up talking about musicals. And for all we know, I'll sing Bare Necessities again. Um, but until then, have a good one. <laughs>